Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. In Odyssey Station. The Score! Starting the final hour of Hit and Run, right here on The Score, with our guy Chris Kampka. He helps us get Cam connected. He is a walking, living, breathing baseball smile. And Chris Kampka, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago, joins us on the Circa Resort Casino Hotline. Circa Resort Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. What's up, Chris? Good morning. What's up, Smee? It's good to be back. Nice, um, nice to have you. you. Nice, nice to be back. How's your morning going so far? Not so bad. Not so bad. You ready for some baseball? Looks like no rain delay today, so that's always nice. Uh, that is always nice. Do we, we have a White Sox lineup yet? Uh, Sean, he will look for us. I mean, I don't know if we're going to see Leary Garcia starting again, but that's not your problem, Chris. I, I don't know. see any lineup posted yet. Okay, so. thank thank you very yeah. much. Um, we do have a Cubs lineup. I can get that for you a little bit later on, but neither of those things are why you called, for God's sakes. Chris, what is uh, what is tickling your fancy these days? Well, I mean, well, we can talk about the Cubs lineup, and uh, particularly who's been at the top of it. <clears throat> Christopher Morrell and He's been entrenched in the leadoff spot for the majority of his major league career so far. And, you know, 36 games in, he has made 30 starts at the leadoff spot. Hmm. And that's kind of rare for for a Cub to make at least 30 of his first 36 career major league games in the leadoff spot. Um, the last three is a pretty interesting list. Oh, that's, so that, that, that's great. So hold on one second. These are the last yeah. three Cubs who started 30 of their first 36 career games at leadoff. Yeah, at least, at least 30. So Morrell is one of them, obviously. And let's, let's talk about the last two. What do you think? Um, well, how, do I have to go all the way back to Jerome Walton or no? You, yeah, you do. That's, that's it. Okay. <laughs> all right. So he's the last one. And, of course, rookie of the year. So that's, that's good. Um, and then the guy before him, didn't win rookie of the year, but um, he's had honors that are even bigger than that. Really? Um, did, did they throw Ernie Banks at the leadoff spot when he came up? 
No, but he is in Cooperstown, just like Ernie. It's Lou Brock. Wow, of course. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. I mean, because normally you don't see a guy settling into the leadoff spot right away um, once they hit the majors. Of course, we saw it yesterday as well with Lenin Sosa being in the leadoff spot. Uh, but I don't think he'll be there today. Um, but uh, it's 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 interesting to me because top of the order is a catalyst, and, and to put somebody up at the leadoff spot, it's quite a thing, and it's quite you know, it's it's quite a, it's quite an honor for a guy just getting to the majors to be there and seeing Morel there and thriving. It's pretty impressive. I mean, we don't know where this is going to go, but it's certainly promising so far. 22 game on base streak to start his major league career. And that's, that's the longest since Rocco Baldelli's 24 in 2003. Hmm. That's, so. that's a really interesting trio of names, isn't it? Because Brock, you understood was fast as hell. And they put him there when they didn't really think about, you know, on base percentage really. And sort of similar with, with Walton, like, all right, let, let's let's put a guy, make some contact. Okay, that's good. And they're super fast. Now with everything we know about it, I, I would argue that 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 one of the things that really matters about leadoff the most is the mindset of being able to handle it, you know? And and, yeah. and, and their faith in the soft factors of that with Morell is getting rewarded. That's interesting. Oh. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, the first time your team sees a pitcher on any given day, this is the guy to set the tone. This is the guy that's got to figure out what he's got today, um, you know, what he's throwing, how good he's got it. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of um, a lot of uh, responsibility on the leadoff hitter, in my opinion. Hmm. Yeah, no, I think there is. All right, that's good stuff. I like that one. And then, uh, and then the White Sox, what are you thinking on the Sox these days, Chris? Well, on the Sox, there's, there's one thing that's just – it's just the most frustrating thing about them recently is just where's the long balls? Five games. Where are the home runs? Five, Five games. games in a row. Mm-hmm. At mm-hmm. home. Oh. At home. No home runs. And did you know the longest streak by the White Sox in their history, a guaranteed rate field slash new Comiskey Park slash U.S. Cellular Field hmm. with no home runs is six. So they have a chance to tie that today. They did it twice in 1992. And it's alarming because this roster is, you know, should I mean looking at the names on the roster, they should be able to put the ball over the park. I mean, over over the last five days, we no home runs. They're the only team that hasn't homered over the last five games. There's been 183 home runs by 130 different players. Isak Parady is leading the parade with five, and no White Sox. And and you got to hit those home runs because you just can't expect to string together five six singles at a time, and. And expect to score runs. It's just too hard to get hits in the majors this year. You've got to get some home runs when you have a couple guys on base. Yeah, no, it's it, it, it's absolutely true. I wonder, I, God, it, it, do any any inkling as to as to what's going on in terms of a, a collective, or are we just dealing with you know specific guys not getting the elevation on a on a day to day basis? Because the batting average was good. Um, before mm-hmm. before this series, especially you know, over the last like thirty days, the White Sox have been hitting the ball very hard, and the batting average is still is still pretty good overall over the last thirty days. It, well, it's it's tough because you want to say okay, they're not drawing any walks this year, so you're thinking or the approach is like we're not waiting for our pitch to get it over the over the fence, but then at the same time, you see Jose Abreu this year; he doesn't even have double digits. 
but I love his approach this year. He's drawn walks more than ever before, mm-hmm. uh, and that's and that's really valuable. I mean, I you know, to me, that's it's like kind of one of the revelations this season is Jose Abreu's excellent eye at the plate. I mean, he is doing things. He's rarely striking out compared to before. He's walking more than ever. Uh, the power isn't there yet, but you love to see him grind it out. But he's even not hitting it over the fence. Vaughn, not really. You know, Robert, not yet. Nobody's got double-digit homers on this team. And you're kind of thinking, what's the deal? I mean, you know, you say, what is it, the weather? There's injuries. There's the nagging injuries, of course. That's got to be, you know, you, you can't miss that. Um, you don't know what degree these guys are hurting. Um, I mean, you gotta you got to play nine guys every day. I mean, there's just... Just injuries this season. It seems like I don't ever recall seeing it like this. Yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's pretty horrifying. And even for the guys that are playing, uh, Chris Kampka, you're the best. Um, Shohei Otani this week. Ever see anything like that? No, because it's never happened. Eight RBIs one night, thirteen Ks the next. It's uh, it's pretty singular at this point. Oh, it's it's phenomenal. Let's just celebrate it. You know, this is we love this sport, and this is something like we've never seen before. Just enjoy. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Thank you, Chris. Have a great day, man. You too. All right, you got it. It's Chris Kampka, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago. Um, I love that dude. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a, a brutal, brutal stretch um, uh, of injuries, that's for sure, and a brutal stretch of guys who are playing who are told to take care of themselves. Um, switching gears for a little while here. When we do have a lineup, we will let you know. Tony Larusa is going to speak in a little bit. And we'll break down those kinds of things, what he says, what the lineup is and has been. We'll break that down with James Feagan of The Athletic before we get out of here. But I wanted to let you hear from Crane Kenny if you missed it yesterday. Crane Kenny on Inside the Clubhouse on the day that uh, they signed the construction beam as they were building the new DraftKings uh, sportsbook right there at the corner of Addison and Sheffield. Uh, Crane was on Inside the Clubhouse yesterday and was talking about um that sports book he says there's going to be a new giant tv how big is the new giant tv i want to know that's going to be in the sports book it's not one single television it's kind of a gigantic ribbon board um that kind of goes from sort of right field through center field to left field inside the building and um it'll allow us to have four or five different games on at one time you know so particularly around march madness time when um you know you've got three or four regionals playing at the same time. Um, you can have all the games on. If it were something like the Super Bowl, you'd dedicate all the screens to just the one game um, or the Kentucky Derby or something like that. So, it's yeah, it, it can be up to a 2,000-square-foot screen for just one game, but typically it will be broken up into multiple games. Um, and, you know, we think it's just another great amenity at, uh, on campus. So the hotel was a nice um, lift for the campus, as was Gallagher Way uh, and the office building. Um, and now we'll add a sports book for those who choose to partake. So, yeah, it's going to be a classic sports book in that way with the giant crazy-ass screen and uh, more stuff on campus, and that means money coming in. So where's that money going? Is it going back into the team or not? Because it doesn't uh, – right now, is, uh, is people, some people upset at the number 14 payroll in all of MLB. All of these activities, all of them generate uh, revenue that go back into the baseball budget. So um, – uh, the sports book will do the same thing. And, you know, this goes back to my time with Jim Hendry. It's sort of always been the same program, which is you generate as much revenue as you can. 
Um, you, you obviously take care of your fixed expenses, so the labor and other expenses that you know go into running our operation. And we've been really fortunate. The Ricketts family, they, they're not a public company. They don't have to satisfy shareholders. Uh, they let us put every dollar that's not used uh, in running the business back into the payroll. So um, as you point out, we, we, we had a lot of money left at the end of this year we didn't spend. Uh, all of that will roll over for next year. Uh, and, uh, again, uh, we trust our baseball operations guys to make good decisions with those proceeds. And, you know, they'll either use them next year or, or down the line. But, um, again, they stay inside the system. And I get it's boring. I keep saying this every year. But um, it's a closed loop. Um, and, you know, when the time is right, we'll spend we'll spend those resources to build a great team. Hmm. Interesting. So it's Crane Kenny talking about how the money is there. And it's been a choice from Jed Hoyer to not spend it this particular year and says that they will spend it next year and that there will be more to spend next year based on some of the choices not made to spend this year. Um, And that, look, I can see the sense in that if your team is not ready to win, then just throwing money at it to be a little bit better. I could see that not making sense, but people want to make sure that when the time is right, that there will be the kind of spending and that you're not dealing with the classic decades and decades and decades long run of Tribune Company not spending on something because it is super successful. So why bother? That there is, There's a lot of muscle memory cynicism going on with people that these team will never spend again, that the Ricketts will never spend again, because why would they? Now they've won. Now they've got all their pretty stuff. Now they'll just rape, you know, reap in the money and just just let it exist as is. But you have to ask yourself, why would they do that? Why would they not spend when the opportunity does present itself to be great? Because they did spend when the opportunity did present itself during the four to five year window of the championship aspirations of that team. They spent poorly, but they did spend. Here's Crane Kenny talking about that. Between 2016 and 2021, uh, we rank fourth in all of baseball, uh, only behind the Yankees, Dodgers, and just a smidge behind the Red Sox. So over our last championship window, uh, when we were in that championship window, we were one of the top spenders in baseball. And during those six years, we tripped the CBT penalty three times. So including as late as in 2020. So like just two years ago, we were over the limit. Um, that was a shortened season, obviously, but we were over the limit in 19 as well. So I think what we're, you know, and I go back now through Sam Zell and all the way back through Tribune, like we're so <laughs> lucky that we have an owner that lets us spend uh, when the time is right. And again, over the last six years, we were, we've been top four in baseball. Clearly this year we've taken a step back, and as I said, all the resources that weren't used that would have pushed us up the ladder on the payroll chart this year will go into next year's budget. All right, so we'll see if that's the case, right? I mean, how will, how will you feel? Uh, those of you out there who have the well-earned cynicism of your fandom for decades and decades and the history of it, how will you feel if indeed they do spend next year? Will you still be angry? Will you still be angry that they chose not to this year? Because there was, there's clearly dovetailing realities that went on. The decision to take $59 million off the books with the U Darvish contract is, is inarguably, inarguably financially incentive.
It, it, it just was. It just was. But then everything else that came after that, whew, sure seems like it was kind of right, you know, in terms of not investing in some of that core who they thought was going to be better. Did they wait too long? Yeah, probably. Did they get enough for Darvish? Eh, no, no, not really. But the market was weird. We'll see how good Owen Casey is. He might end up being very good. But the baseball decisions and the financial decisions coalesced there. And as long as they coalesce back in the other direction, as things progress here, then I, I, I think you should feel okay about it. I understand not for this year. I get it. But we'll see what happens. I think they are going to spend very aggressively. And I think they're kind of locked into it now with the way that things have gone and the way that people feel and the way that they're talking about it. And it may be too early in terms of the overall plan and how it fits in with like when the young guys are going to be ready. But that's not the way you should do it anymore is just kind of wait for the young core to be ready. That's the same. That's what you did the last time. I don't think that's what people want to see you do. And I don't think that it's a appropriate or necessary to do it that way, to wait for the kids all to be ready at the same time. It doesn't have to happen that way anymore. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. Feel free to hop in on this. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Crane Kenny stuff from yesterday. Um, any White Sox thoughts you want to squeeze in before we get out of here? And James Fegan from The Athletic at about 1140. Keep it here on 670 The Score. It's hit and run. Hit and run Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Um, the conversation was a little, I was a little upset from my end. I think I handled it not the best, but I thought I told him what I wanted to tell him. Um, you got to be careful when things like that happen because you say the wrong thing and it, and it, and it deters people from wanting to like keep you around. So I, I, I try to be precise with my words and let them know that I was I, I was not happy with their decision. But I mean, you got to look at the big picture and what's best for the Cubs. Um, it was a roster. It was the roster moves that they had to make, go from 14 to 13. And then at the end of the day, it's 
you cover I covered innings for the bullpen and they, we had a fresh bullpen for a week so it was a win-win for everybody I think um, and then getting back up quickly was was a good thing for me I mean obviously yeah it make moves in other ways but um, yeah I mean here I am again and just, just continue on the move and all that kind of stuff but it's uh, I'm happy to be back here that is Adrian Sampson who started for the Cubs in St. Louis yesterday and pitched pretty well Talking about getting sent down after the relief outing he had a week ago today. He came in in relief of Kyle Hendricks and was really, really good with like four and two-thirds, struck out a big pile of people. It was great and immediately got sent down right after that because that was the day before they had to go down to 13 pitchers on the roster. Um, and he didn't take it well, but uh, interesting to hear him talk about how he had those conversations with the Cubs. It is 670. The score is where you are. Matt Spiegel It is hit and run talking about all things. Remember I told you I wanted to talk about Dansby Swanson. Here's why I wanted to talk about Dansby Swanson, who is absolutely red hot for the Braves, the shortstop and top of the order hitter, usually hits second behind Acuna. He's going to be an all-star for the first time, just won a, um, uh, a World Series last year. Dansby Dansby was pretty good at times last year and then started out this year terribly, terribly, and was in his horrific slump. And a member of the front office sent something down to the manager, and it was a picture, a side-by-side of a picture of Dansby Swanson's swing last year and his swing this year at the time that he was struggling. And the manager said, well, why don't you just go tell him? Totally cool, totally open communication. Manager said, you go tell him. So this member of the front office went over and said to Dansby, hey, man, can I show you this stuff? And he shows this to Dansby Swanson. And Dansby Swanson said, made me want to throw up. He saw that he was way off timing-wise as opposed to how he had been last year. And just this moment, he said, was, it changed everything. Started swinging better, started feeling better. The numbers didn't come until the middle of May. Since the middle of May, Dansby Swanson's hitting about 358 since the middle of May. But this moment happened in late April when, because an organization was trying desperately to do anything they can, find any way, communicating as a whole, and making sure the players were armed with absolutely everything they could be armed with, they got a lot better. Dansby Swanson got a lot better. Braves organization is good at that under Alex Anthopoulos and through Brian Snitker, who is a partner with the front office. This is the way a team has to be run these days. You guys know last year, um, middle of the season, the Braves defense was awful in terms of defensive runs saved. And then they started shifting dramatically. They incorporated a whole bunch of um of, of, of data and of, of heat maps and shifting and all sorts of new positioning, transferred the way they'd been doing it, changed it forever last year. And that was part of their tear that they've gone on. And defensively, they are very, very good. Got to win in the margins, got to win as an organization, top to bottom. This is the way it has to happen. These days in MLB, if you're going to get it done. And yes, the White Sox don't do it that way. There also is an incredible lack of accountability that's gone on. And we see it 
and we know it and it drives us crazy and different things happen along the way. You're like, how can Joe McEwing be allowed to just make that send again and again and again and again with no real accountability? And then Tony says, yeah, that's kind of what we do. It's we're just aggressive like that. How can Daryl Boston be allowed to not help runners be the best versions of themselves on the base paths? See guys getting picked off. See guys trying to advance and making terrible outs on the bases. See Leori Garcia being playing so out of position as an outfielder. Multiple at-bats, multiple innings of a game, and not have that be corrected by the outfield coach is Daryl Boston. So where's the accountability with those guys? Where's the accountability for players? Dallas Keuchel was DFA'd a month ago. Jim Margulis over at Sox Machine wrote up today how the accountability for White Sox is still limited to just words other than Dallas Keuchel. That was a player who paid the price. Gavin Sheets at one point paid the price of his inactivity and his uh, lack of success and went down to the minors, but then he's been back. Leury Garcia has a ridiculous number of plate appearances and at-bats and starts, and Tony La Russa is intent on telling you, proving to you that he is right about Leury Garcia, so he will, so he will keep playing him and say stuff about why you got a better, better, better watch. Like he said yesterday, the, the key was the areas at bats. You got to watch those at bats. He really wants to prove to you that he's correct. And he will do so at the expense of what is the right thing for the organization on a day-to-day basis. And it's absolutely infuriating. We do have a White Sox lineup. Leori does not start for the first time in this series after bad defense in center and then bad defense at short. When he went in front of uh, Lenin Sosa yesterday, Lenin Sosa gets another start. He's hitting ninth. He's not hitting leadoff. He's hitting ninth. He went over five yesterday, but he does get the chance to start again. White Sox lineup is as follows: Tim Anderson at short, Andrew Vaughn is the DH, then Luis Robert, Jose Abreu, Gavin Sheets uh, is your right fielder hitting fifth. Jake Berger in the lineup. Josh Harrison playing left field. No A.J. Pollock in this lineup. Sebi Zavala is your catcher. And then Lenin Sosa as the Sox try not to get swept by the Baltimore Orioles today. Orioles, again, 18-15 and 15 in their last 33 games. That's since the call-up of former number one overall pick Adley Rutschman. They are turning a corner in their rebuild, and we are the ones watching it at the White Sox expense. Stan is in Bellwood and is now on hit and run. Good morning, Stan. Hey, Speaks. How are you, buddy? I am good, man. I'm good. Good morning. Uh, you know what? Talking about Tony LaRusso's speech gives me a headache. Uh, I was prepared not to do it uh-huh. today. Uh, you just, but you, 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 you spoiled my. You already spoiled my breakfast by telling me that Josh Harrison is playing left field today. You, you know, good news is Lurie Garcia is uh, 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 is. Uh, He's taking a seat today, mm-hmm. but another that's another Larusa hallmark of playing players out of position. I mean, I, I can't take it. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I, just to, to get away from that uh, for a second, you made a uh, very uh, good point earlier, uh, well taken point when you uh, made the analogy between uh, the. Uh, uh, Cubs and the Sox and the happiness 
and joy that Pirates fans and uh, (laughs) Orioles fans are uh, experiencing these days, you know, at the sight of these very talented young players uh, that have been developed and have come up to the uh, major league level. I I hear you there. Uh, O'Neill Cruz, yeah, outstanding. Uh, I, yeah, he looks like a potential superstar, and also uh, that uh, it's not going to take too long. I mean, he already looks like a player. You know what I mean? Well, O'Neill, uh, O'Neill that, Cruz is crazy special, Stan. He hits the ball harder than Giancarlo Stanton sometimes. He he throws it across the diamond harder than Carlos Correa uh, sometimes. He, he runs faster than Jazz Chisholm. He's like this crazy collection of skills. I have heard um, that there are times when he's playing the game that he could go four, five, six days in a row where you're watching O'Neill Cruz and you're like, man, does that guy even care about what he's doing? Like, I've heard that in terms of his attention and his focus. But he's a young player, and we'll see if the big leagues helps lock that in. Yeah. Uh, but I want to talk about the Orioles here. Okay. Um, they're in last place, speaks basically because, you know, they've developed. And all these guys are homegrown for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order for them, they're not. they're in last place, obviously. But they don't have a last-place roster. Uh, the Sox can thank their lucky stars that they compete in the AL Central and the Orioles compete in the East. Uh, you know, the Orioles are going to have to develop some pitchers here uh, before they can actually move up in that division because the rest of those teams, uh, with the exception maybe of the Red Sox, have pitchers. But it, it struck me, you know, watching these games the last couple of days, that the the Orioles, for the most part, put a better player on the field at almost every position than the White Sox do. <laughs> uh, you know, if, if Mateo was with the White Sox, he'd be playing second base. That's that that much I know. Mm. Uh, I'm not so sure that I, given the choice, I'm not so sure I wouldn't rather have Cedric Mullins than than Luis Robert. Uh, Austin Hayes and Santander would be starters on the White Sox, clearly. Mm. And if I had Mountcastle on the White Sox, he'd be my first baseman, and Jose Abreu would go right to the trading block. I would rather have these every these position players at the Orioles. You know, the White Sox, not only – they went to the offseason last year needing to upgrade at second base, right field, and catcher. And they still do. They go, well, they got Reese McGuire, but thank you for the call, Stan. I mean, Adley Rutschman is a terrific two-way player, obviously, former number one pick. And Santander, Trey Mancini, Hayes, Mullins, Mateo. Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of dudes there um, who you're looking at and you think might be better. That should tell you something. That is a bad sign. It's 670 The Score. We'll wrap things with James Fegan from The Athletic coming up next. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel Sunday mornings on the score. Robert broke his bat and he skies it to right center field. It's a slide for Hayes and he can't make the play. You wanted to see Sosa run. He's on his way home and the Sox have tied this game on the feet of Lenin Sosa. I love the fact that he aggressively kept on coming and when the ball was kicked away, 
Joe McEwing pretty much says, go get him. It is 6-7 in the score. That a rare highlight from the White Sox-Orioles series. Um, James Fegan's tweet, just kind of talking about the state of things with the White Sox after the third loss yesterday, ended with, um, James, I believe it said, it's rough out here. It's, <laughs> as, as James joins us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, out here, was that the ballpark? Was it your mentions on Twitter? Was it, uh, where was it rough at, at that moment? I mean, the mentions are always kind of bad. I don't really, like, personalize that very much. I think oh, some beat reporters kind of freak out when everyone's negative, but, like, it's not about me, so I tend to compartmentalize. I was more thinking about, like, this team is frustrated. It wants to win, and it, things are not going right, and they've been waiting 70 games at this point to kind of get on the run that they, you know, everyone's anticipated, everyone says is they're capable of doing, but has, has not happened for going on three months now. So I, I think that was more front of mind. Yeah, no, that, that makes all the sense in the world. It is 70 games. We're 11 games away from the halfway point, and um, they, th- this, is, this is what they are, um, uh, unfortunately. Do you, think there, do you think there is something else coming to try and, and give a jolt? Because they, they've pushed a lot of buttons. I mean, they haven't pushed the manager button and the coach's button, but we got the young kid up, and um, nice to see him in the lineup again today. I was a little worried about that. Uh, and, and, you know, do you get the sense that they will push other major buttons if need be this year? Not particularly. Like, I think there's probably the intent, at least at this point, it's with competition still relatively in range of, you know, trade deadline additions. So, and maybe they, I think they have a bit more capital than they did uh, this time last year in terms of what they can move. Though so I don't know if they're willing to, like, you know, start fencing some of their top prospects that might have some real you know, value in extending their window uh, down the road. But I, I think they're more the mindset of our big button. You know, I, I think it's the thing everyone hates to hear about, like, you know, the guy coming back from injury is a deadline addition. But I think part of their assessment of the team is this needs a menace. This needs a healthy and functioning Grandal. This needs a healthy and functioning Moncada as their big move. I would be surprised by some sort of in-season move like that. Um, I think when they get to that point, that kind of would be – a big acknowledgement that they're just not set up to succeed the way they plan to this year and that they need to make some sort of big systemic changes. And frankly, you know, you fire a coach, you fire a manager mid-season, you can't really get the big replacement or jolt, the kind of hiring process to really make a systemic fix like that until the off-season. So it's, it's really more of a, a shot across the bow when you do something like that, and you can only fire it once. So mm-hmm. I don't know how much value they really see in doing that or, or how much it would really turn around things as much as it might be just cathartic or acknowledging something is blatantly wrong. And yeah, I, I just don't have the feeling that that's what's, what's coming or at measure that, you know, this front office would do. Yeah, no, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's, uh, it's, it's coming. It, it, it doesn't. And that's, it, it, it ends up leading to, um, you know, a, a lack of, a lack of spirit among the fan base that, that I'm sure you see, which is why folks, frankly, it's rough out here. Um, are you surprised to see Lenin Sosa in the lineup today after the way that Tony spoke about it? You had the quote, um, where he kind of was encouraging, but also said that you got to watch Leury's at bats, that kind of thing. I, I figured he was a no for today. Um, I 
think it's about, well, you you kind of mentioned Lenin as like the button they're pushing, and it seems like that's not really the case. It's more about uh, roster need. Yeah. And But I think today is also about roster need. You know, the fact is that they were weighing whether Larry or, or Josh Harrison would play in the outfield, and Larry's been dealing with like, you know, this kind of side discomfort as well. I, I don't think it's so much as like Lennon Sosa is like being taking over Larry's spot or pushing him down a depth chart as much as they're thinking like, they're trying to rest guys and Lenny is what they kind of need right now. I mean, the fact that they're even talking about Garcia or Harrison in left field is about Pollock being sore. And, you know, I talked to Andrew Vaughn pregame about how he's managing it and he's kind of on DH duty uh, only or DH or first base going forward. And then that's part of the equation as well. So I don't see this as so much as like, let's give Lenin some extended run mm-hmm. um, and have him take over position as much as, you know, we got a lot of sore bodies and, you know, they trust him as much as, you know, as anyone else they call up. And I think, you know, the way Tony speaks highly of him, uh, you know, it's similar to what they talked about with how they spoke highly of Vaughn and Berger before those guys come everyday guys. But as we've seen, that's a, that's a slow process of getting into that circle of everyday trust uh, for him. And, you know, it, and that's, that's a process that even more highly touted guys like, like, like Vaughn went through. So it's, it's going to happen for Lenine as well, I think. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, what's our count now of guys with sore legs, and how are yours, James? Uh, mine are great because I haven't done anything resembling workout in three days. But once I jog for, like, literally four miles, I'll be uh, out of commission once again. <laughs> uh, it was five out of nine for the lineup yesterday, uh, I think. And I think it's in a similar place in the fact that, you know, Pollock is getting – a game off uh, kind of speaks to how significant it is with him. Uh, you know, they float. I think the pleasant surprise today is that Tim Anderson is playing because when you hear the coaching staff like passing doubt on it a day beforehand, usually that winds up going, you know, side of side of caution. So the fact that he's feeling good enough that they just had to give him one day off, a day game after a night game, that's more positive because obviously they need him at every moment, every time, as much as that's an unreasonable thing to ask for a guy coming off groin injury. He's just so essential for an offense that's struggling. Yeah, you know, it's it's just such a tough moment optically and with the circumstances when you haven't homered in five games and your fast guys are genuinely being told not to run fast. It's like, it, it's, it's, it's just a tricky spot. Uh, it does, does it feel out of the baseball ordinary for players to be getting this advice? Or do you think they've gotten this kind of advice before and we just haven't noticed because there's so many of them? right now i don't think it's out of the baseball ordinary for it on an individual level uh especially not with like someone like tim coming off a significant injury the way he did um or someone being told like hey you you know it's not aggravate this but the fact that it's so widespread um is more like when i was you know contacting other beat writers if they like hey have you ever heard anything like this is this normal if you had a team that had this kind of stretch i think it's it's more just how systemic it is and, and that's really where you know the questions about like what what's going on why are we not you know why is this team not healthy on a broad level that need to be asked and you know that, that was something that Han we asked him a lot about it uh you know this past uh, when the last spoke before the start of his homestand he said like yeah it, it's might not really get better because the conditions that you know created this were so many guys dealing with leg soreness the, the weird string training the weird off season where you couldn't contact your players those kind of circumstances are baked into this entire year. And, you know, he, he obviously changed the strength and conditioning, uh, you know, at Chiefs before the season. It's now Goldie Simmons. But, you know, he was defending it as the idea of like this. He wasn't really able to 
enact a long-term plan or the kind of systemic changes he'd be able to do because he got the job in November and then, you know, couldn't talk to any of his players for several months and then had a short spring training. So I think the wages of that are going to be spent, you know, all season, you know, on, on positions that you couldn't really weigh what he's able to do off this year because he hasn't had the, you know, proper opportunity to do it. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything better for this very, very important contending season in their, uh, you know, contention window kind of, seemingly being at risk right now but that's that's where they're saying they're at Mm, man it's it's it doesn't doesn't feel encouraging this um this isn't working james uh try again let's see what what else where where else can we go here oh eloy menace is playing charlotte right he's dhing today in charlotte he is dhing again he dh last night i think this would be his fifth game since being uh restarted so obviously playing the field and feeling good and doing it multiple days and back-to-back days. And then, you know, maybe at some point looking like the offensive monster he was in 2020 are steps there yet to go, but it's something up there. And, but frankly, with that, you know, Yamaka is probably coming back Tuesday, but seeing this offense at full strength and in rhythm, not just like back on the roster, since we know those things are not the same from watching the team this year, still feels like it's a couple of weeks away, which is rough. Obviously, the schedule is uh, not as rough as it was, but as uh, this weekend shows, that doesn't matter if you're not playing well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, one, uh, one or two more minutes here with James Figgin. Appreciate the time before the game. All right, so you did such a good, doc- a good job documenting Le- Lucas Giolito's transformation, and some of it was based on um, pitch, you know, pitch selection and sequencing and getting things to tunnel together like that fastball and the changeup. Does he need to rethink the way he attacks hitters after this stretch? Or, 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 you know, is he ready to rethink that, rethink sequence and attack plan at this point? I think he's more of the mindset of I need to get everything back to where it was. I don't think he feels like he's throwing the way he was in 2019 and it's not working anymore. I think, I mean, talking to Katz in Houston, it was very much like we need to get his fastball characteristics to what it was. It's lost some spin. It's lost some ride. Uh, there's something about the way it's coming out or or his arm not – his mechanics as far as his arm action being a little bit too tight and not as fluid as it was that he's not getting the same kind of carry on it. Because, you know, I think you can look back his entire, you know, last three years, even, you know, if people want to talk about, you know, or Josh Johnson wants to mention the sticky stuff, like he was still at the same spin rate, same ride after that pretty much afterwards. It was not the kind of drop that he's seen this season. So. I think they're more of the action of if we get his fastball behaving the way it was, everything is going to play off of it the way that it used to. Um, you know, there are little tweaks in here, here and there, but that's the big systemic thing that they feel like is not where it needs to be. It's not like we got the same Lucas Giolito, but we're getting diminishing returns. It's we need to get back to the, the old Lucas Giolito on a mechanical basis. Got you. Got you. Um, and then, and, and then where, were, where are we on Liam Hendricks in terms of, uh, in terms of time frame? We spoke to him the other day, and he's trying to be aggressive and says he wants to work faster than what they, uh, what they diagnosed. But him being back would, would do, a, do a lot in terms of pushing Joe Kelly or Kendall Graveman maybe into the seventh inning is instead of waiting for the eighth. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, the, the, I think that's you know, a good point, essentially, that they're kind of operating like they have the two really shut down relievers and that allows them less flexibility. They're kind of, especially with the way more traditional way Tony operates the bullpen of, you know, being a little helpless until the eighth inning. Mm. Um, 
Liam's been throwing. I, I don't think there's any minute setbacks. I don't think there's anything to move past the kind of July 1st uh, standpoint that he has. I haven't seen a kind of like max effort bullpen or anything like that uh, yet, but you know that could be coming this road trip with the way he's kind of operating. It, it doesn't seem like there's been any real issues, and really at the time it happened, you know, you know, talking to new people around him is that you know this this is viewed as more maintenance or let's not make this thing worse in the middle of June than it was like some big flare up that they're worried about costing him like significant time or the season or or threatening him down the road. As much as he revealed like every worrisome like nick that he's picked up over the course of his career and just kind of threw that oh I have a I've had a partially torn UCL for 15 years a detail that I'm sure calmed everyone down. Uh, they they feel pretty normal about this. James, thank you so much, man. Enjoy the day, and I uh, hope it gets less rough out there. <laughs> That'd be nice. You know, talking to happy people once there every now and then would be a good change of pace. <laughs> good luck. Send them my way if, if you do. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. That's James Fegan from The Athletic joining us right there on 670 The Score. We have been broadcasting to you live from The Score's Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers, Congratulations, by the way, to the Chicago Wolves who have won their fifth championship overall, their third Calder Cup. Very, very cool. And uh, nice, to be, uh, nice to be in a town where there's some winners every once in a while. The Wolves, Sky, we'll stop there for now. Uh, thank you to Jordan Bastion from MLB.com and to James Figgin from The Athletic. Thank you to Sean Sears who did a great job producing the show. Thank you to the callers, the listeners, the texters for being here and being a part of Hit and Run on a Sunday morning. I'll be back with you next week for sure. Cody Decker coming up next with Down the Line. And then it's Cubs baseball, Alec Mills and Jack Flaherty. At about 1240 will be pregame. Cody's next right here on 670 The Score. Have a great day, everybody. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The Step Back 3. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.